Welcome, everyone, to the Tradey Success Podcast. We've got a wonderfully special episode coming to you today. I am Kirk Neal, and I'm joined with Lani Verdi. She's from Lani the Sparky, has a team size of three, uh, specializing in domestic service work in the electrical space, and describes her passion as being able to help empower and employ as many women in the trade as possible. So welcome, Lani. Hello. Thanks for having me on. That's all good. That's all good. I'm super excited to learn more about your story and, and how you've grown to build your business because it's such a unique one. Um, it's not something that we encounter so much. And I think it's so inspiring and it will help a lot of other people with direction and clarity and, and also give them that, that the reality of, of what, what is actually achievable out there. So thanks so much for joining us. Um, I guess to kick us off, let's talk about what's happening now for you. Like what, what's happening in your business, in your world right now? And um, where are you at? Yeah. Um, well, right now, yeah, I have a team of three. So I'm an A-grade electrician and a second-year apprentice and then myself. And uh, I've been in business for about two years now. Um, but unfortunately, I'm losing both my A-grade and my second-year apprentice, Ooh, which is a shame because they're both fantastic. One's going yep. travelling and one's just taking a different direction. Um, and I'm pregnant, which is probably Whoa. not common in the electrical industry um, congratulations that's an exciting time it is it is really exciting and yeah our first child and um yeah our baby's due in January so my plan right now is to see out the year with the girls and then focus on family for the first three months of next year and yeah Brilliant. that's it Let's see, yeah. see where we're at where we're at then yeah <laughs> great stuff um one of the more unique things about your team as well is it's an all all female team is that right yes that's right yeah we're all female team and yeah um would like to keep it that way yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's so great um what is it about what do you feel um is it about having an all female team that responds really well with this with your client base yeah, well, I didn't realize there was such a niche and a high demand for women tradies. Um, I don't know if it's just my area. I'm based in, you know, North Melbourne. Um, but there's so many clients out there that seek women tradies and um, they call me because they want a woman to come to their house or, or their business or their parents' house. Or, um, and I work in like women's housing as well. I do a lot of service and maintenance for women's housing where you know, vulnerable women live in these houses and it just makes sense. So yeah. important yeah, to have everyone feel comfortable and safe. And, and that's something that I think is, is often missed with the, with the male audience is we can't anticipate how uh, our female clients respond when we, you know, are in their space um, yeah. and everyone's got their own experiences in life. And it's very hard for us to always really connect with that and go, Oh, what, maybe I am a bit imposing here. Like I'm a, you know, a larger, stronger, more dominant sort of physique and I'm going into someone's sanctuary, their home, and, you know, sort of almost throwing my weight around a bit and saying this needs to be done. And, and even the language that is like predominantly that male spoken tradie language can be very intimidating uh, in a way. And it's, it's not something that a lot of people are conscious of. So I think you, you've nailed that. Like there is a, a real niche for that for that side of business and people are starting to really wake up to that and, and, and see that there are options like yourself in the market that can provide that level of, um, of comfortability for the client. So that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I am. Um, I actually didn't realize the demand because I always worked for men. So the clientele were never 
clientele, you know, seeking women. And then when I started the business, I didn't even start it for this reason. But the yeah, the phone calls that have just been coming, it just it just made sense to me to focus on this niche. Yeah. Brilliant. Love it. And it, like niching in, in business is really important. Um, it's identifying what's unique about you and how does that connect with an audience and how do you effectively monetize that? How do you work out what people respond really well, what qualities you bring and what, what do people love about that? And then how do you turn that into a business and make that um, really profitable? Because that way you're not trying to be anything other than the, who you are. And you're just finding the people that really value who you are above everything else. And you can be true to yourself. You could be, you don't have to try and pretend to be a service that you're not trying to be. You just have to be you and find the people that, that want and value that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great stuff. Love it. Um, so let's, let's learn a little bit about where Lani's come from. Uh, rewind a little bit. Let's go back as far as you can remember. Where did your, um, where did your interest in, in trade start? Uh, my interest in trade started very young. I, um, I, yeah, I was really close to my granddad and he was just the, I guess what you'd call jack of all trades. And um, yeah, so I learned how to use tools with him from the age of three, I reckon. And um, yeah, so I was, yeah, from there, I was always hands-on as a kid. I always did physical activity. I always learned better, you know, using my hands. Um, but yeah, throughout my teenage years, I was a bit, like I didn't realize that a trade was a path for me, to be honest. It was never spoken at school. It was never um, discussed or, you know, an option for me to enter the trade. And it, um, it wasn't until I was about 19 years old and I was working in um, retail fashion. I was a manager of a fashion store and hated yeah. it. <laughs> it was great fun, but it was not, not my career path. And I, um, I can't remember who mentioned it to me, but someone said you should go and do a pre-apprenticeship of a trade. I can't remember if it was my mum or my sister, someone in the family. And I was like, a pre-apprenticeship? Like, what is that? And I jumped on, you know, I think it was NMIT at the time, Melbourne Polytechnic, and I jumped on their website and it was like uh, electrotechnology. I was like, oh, cool, like electrician. I didn't know anything about electrical, not one thing. And, um, yeah, I just did the pre-app. At that time it was about six months long. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was super nervous, like so nervous. I didn't know any other women in the trade school and none, none in my class. And um, yeah, I ended up starting and made friends with all the guys and realized I was actually pretty good. And I picked up things really well and really enjoyed it. And um, I knew, yeah, after like a week of being at the pre-up, I was like, this is, this is who I'm meant to be. Yeah, this is me. Um, Brilliant. Um, really interesting that you say that it took you till 19 for that, that door to really be opened for you. Um, I could see like, a, you know, during school, they do a lot of work around like preparing you for after school. Like, what are you going to do? And, you know, different school models are, are trained in different lanes, you know, and they have a natural graduation pathway into certain fields and certain specialties and things like that. Do you think that the school maybe the school that you went to was a little closed off to to trades as a whole or was it a was it a women in trades thing or what what do you think the the vulnerability lies in that education process yeah i'm not sure i i actually dropped out at the year uh, year 10 i did my year 10 and i dropped out and then i went to vcal um so i'm not sure if it was going to be maybe an option through you know vce maybe they had an option but i really feel like 
for women it's not spoken about even at like all girls schools I don't feel like it's really an option at the moment and it should I really do believe that that should change and they should educate women that you know this is a career path and um, maybe if I did learn that early on I yeah I would have gone into that a lot sooner sooner yeah being further down the road as well like with with your business and your skill set and, and everything yeah. so yeah it's it's interesting uh interesting to see how how those pathways are formed and there's an element of responsibility i feel on on the schooling system to be able to open those doors for people and make sure that you know nothing's closed off and nothing's um nothing's not spoken about but like you said the the way in which it's discussed needs to change as well i feel like the um you're always going to gravitate to the things that your friendship circles like, you know, if your friends like cars, then you'll be around cars and, and things yeah. like that. So it's, if it's not introduced early into that schooling system around, Hey, it's, it's a very valid pathway for people to be uh, women to be exploring trades. And um, then it's never spoken about. And then those other things really take dominance in those conversations and everyone sort of gravitates and moves through a similar sort of pathway. So very yeah. interesting space. Yeah. I actually have been approached by two different schools around my area that have asked me to come speak at um, careers days um, because they want to make the change. So that was, yeah, this, that's been at the start of this year and the end of last year. And one of them was an all girls school, which I was so, yeah. So happy to hear from her. So, yeah, yeah. fantastic. So there's, I feel like there's change coming, hopefully. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, so when you chose, when you landed in electrical, uh, you were doing that pre-app. You said like about a week in, you just knew. Was there anything else? Did you did you turn anything down? Did you did you say, hey, I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll go and look at electrical, but I'm definitely not. Do not not going to plumbing, not dealing with toilets, or is there something that you that you were just like, that's definitely not for me. Um, yeah, there's. I think I was open to carpentry. To be honest, I was. I think that was on like the second on my list, but I don't know what it was about plumbing, but I just knew I didn't want to get into that trade. And I'm sure it's a great trade. I just. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if it's that silly stereotype that you, you know, with working with toilets, but yeah. And yeah, I'm not sure. I think electrical was just that standout. Um, but I did um, definitely turn down working in the retail sector because I got offered like to move up when I said I'm leaving to go do a pre-apprenticeship and they offered me to be a regional manager and, you know, climb the ladder in that um sort of world I definitely turn that down and that's a that's a big decision to turn that down I imagine like going into a first year apprenticeship versus a regional manager in a retail space there's a very big difference in in what you're going to make yes you know, your, money in that, in, huge difference yeah, yeah and first year apprentice hard. versus regional manager yeah yeah it was yeah and being that young and getting like you know decent money it was um it was a decision that it was a little bit hard, but then when I thought about why am I making it, it was purely on money if I was choosing to stay in the retail sector. And that's not not money driven. I wanted a career. So, yeah. Good stuff. So when you entered the trade, so when you finished your, your pre-app uh, pre and, and you're looking for that employment, what sort of um, obstacles did you encounter? As, as you move through those, you know, maybe that first initial phase of your apprenticeship or something like that? 
I had so many obstacles. The amount of resumes that I put out. So I made the decision that I wanted to work in the domestic field because I was told by so many people, like, that's where you're going to learn the most. And if you want, if you ever want your own business, learn domestic. I got, um, I feel like I probably could have got a job in commercial a lot easier. But yeah, because I made this decision, I was like, no, I want to work domestic. I want to learn as much as I can. So I put my resume out to so many domestic companies and I would either get rejected or I just wouldn't hear back. It got to like I over 50, maybe 70, wow. if not 100. There was so, I was just every day, like five a day, just pumping them out. And I ended up just rocking up on people's doorsteps. And I was like, okay, can you just give me some feedback? Because is it because I'm a woman? Is it something on my resume? Like, should I change something? Like, just give me a shot, you know, like interview me. I felt like if I just got face to face with someone, they would give me a shot. Um, And a few of them, unfortunately, a few of them said that they were worried that I would cause a lawsuit for their business and they were too small to handle it. I know because I was a woman and maybe I would have, I don't know what they thought I would do. And it was just so disheartening. I was, yeah, it really, it really bumped me out. Um, and I nearly gave up. I really, I was, I was close. Say, to like that. It takes a lot of resilience to keep trying 50, 60, 70 applications down. Like yeah. many people would, would give up in that situation and just be like, Hey, there's a reason why there's, not many women here because it's too bloody hard to crack through. Like, and you must have yeah. thought things like that at, at that moment. For sure. I did. Yeah. I was like, maybe this isn't made for me. You know, as much as I love the pre-apprenticeship, maybe I'm not meant to be in this field. And I was so broke. I was like delivering pizzas just to make money while I was trying to get an apprenticeship. It was, yeah, it was a really tough time. But I finally got, I got given a shot because the owner of this business, he was a small domestic company. His girlfriend read my resume and she said, give her a shot. And yeah, so thanks to her, she she gave me a shot. Um, Yeah, so I got a job with them. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And how long were you with that particular company for? Was that for the entirety of your apprenticeship or did did you have to mix and match? What did you have to do? Yeah, I stayed with him for a very long eight months. It wasn't very good. It okay. wasn't a great okay. intro into electrical. Um, he has taught me a lot of what not to do in business. Now that I, yep. you know, when I look back, I, I really wasn't treated well. And um, yeah, he's, the way he ran his business wasn't very honest, I feel. And um it was a, <laughs> I was so desperate to get a job that I ended up landing this job. And I was like, well, I don't want to give up now, even though every day was such a struggle with them. But I tried, yeah, I tried to last as long as I could. And it was eight months to the point, breaking point. And I was just like, I can't, I can't work for this man anymore. And I felt like I had enough experience under my belt to get a new job. Yeah. they had broken through that first initial barrier that, hey, I'm, I'm here. You can't just push me away I'm, I've started and I'm I've started yeah yeah awesome that's... so what happened next where'd you go next yeah next was the best part of my apprenticeship I ended up getting a job at another uh, domestic company and they had a team of six and a manager and they were incredible I've learned pretty much everything I know from being with them I was with them for about two years 
Um, and yeah, I got to work with different A grades and um, the manager was, he was incredible. I think he's a trade school teacher now. And there was another um, female uh, apprentice as well. Oh, she, so she was a year above. So I was a second of first to second and she was second to third at the time that Brilliant. I was working there. And we got to work together yeah. and it was just, it was a fantastic um, workplace. And I just loved, and that's when I fell in love with domestic like that was, yeah, the highlight of my whole career. I reckon that's the that's where the penny dropped for me, and I was like, this is yeah, this is, is what I dropped. Right yeah, yeah, um, right. yeah. So yeah, but unfortunately, they weren't making enough money, and we all got made redundant. But mm. the manager helped us find another apprenticeship, so he was fantastic. Brilliant. Um, really nurtured you a tough time then obviously like it that's yeah. the last thing you want to hear when you're really loving life and loving coming to work and then all of a sudden that hey guys i'm sorry but it doesn't exist anymore that's yeah. going to be a, a really tough moment again like a, a massive challenge because you know you're you're just starting to really get an appetite for it all and then it gets sort of pulled out from underneath you yeah i couldn't believe it i was so upset it was yeah but because we had uh, a manager at the time he just really didn't want um especially myself and the other female electrician not to leave and not to you know not finish our apprenticeship so he was so keen on finding us um an apprenticeship and he did everything he could he set us up interviews and yeah he was fantastic and I can't thank him enough for doing that um awesome. yeah because then I landed my next job yep. which was with a group training organization mm -hmm. yeah um so and that was pretty good like not not as great as working in like a little family team, but um, yeah, it showed me the side of commercial. I worked mm -hmm. on quite big, like large commercial sites and learnt that side of electrical, which was yeah, you know, always good to like understand different different components. And I think a varied apprenticeship like that is really beneficial to your overall skill set. Like if you can have an appreciation for the different spaces, because especially with electrical, um, it's such a varied trade. Like you could go your entire life career as an electrician and not see half the things that are out there that have wires connected to them. So um, yeah, the more, more exposure you can get in that safer space in that as an apprentice, I think it is really, really beneficial because you're not, you're not out there. You're not being asked to perform something that you're not confident on or, or anything like that. And then especially like, as you grow and develop as an as an as an adult, your your appetite for challenge sort of comes back in a bit. But yeah, I think that's that's a, that's what it sounds like a really well rounded apprenticeship. Although it had its its yeah. hardships, it's um it it definitely um would have provided a lot of scope around your confidence in a number of different fields. Oh yeah, and that yeah, the amount of A grade electricians I got to learn off as well. The amount that I met, you know, some people yep. yeah exactly you know you just stay in one sort of field. Um, so yeah, looking back, I'm yeah, really as hard as it was, <laughs> I was really, really thankful of, um, yeah, of what, yeah, my pathway because of yeah, how much I did learn and it helped me now, you know? Awesome. All righty. Um, little tip here. Uh, what would you recommend to both apprentices either starting out or in the middle of their journey and also trainers around apprenticeships like what if, if there was a young apprentice listening to this right now what piece of advice would you give them to help guide them to get the best possible outcome out of their apprenticeship 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing was ask as many questions as possible. Like, even if you think it's a silly question, like that that's your four years to, you know, get as much knowledge as possible. Like, yes, of course, you can ask questions after, but people sort of expect a bit more from you once you're qualified. But as an yeah. apprentice, that's, you know, you're, that you're learning, that's your time. So I would really try and understand why, you're running that cable or what you're installing or where it's coming from. Like understand the bigger picture of what you're doing, not just the one task they give you. Yeah. It's so important. And it's very easy for uh, apprentices, especially when the conditions are not quite optimal. Like if there's a particular trainer or lead, um, lead electrician, that's not so great at training. It's very easy just to fall in behind and, you know, go months and months and months without really developing your skill set too much. You're just coming to work and doing what's in front of you. Uh, I always yeah. guide our guys in um, when they start, I say, it's your apprenticeship. It's not mine. Um, so I want you to own your apprenticeship and who you want to be at the end of your apprenticeship is completely up to you. So you could be, you could take the collective knowledge like you, like you just articulated there. You got to learn off so many different people and that made you the electrician that you are today. That's what I say to our guys. I mean, you got to, you're blessed here with being able to learn from so many different, really highly skilled people. What you take out of each one of these will amass to the sort of person that you become at the end. And you can take as little or as much as you like. Uh, I can't control how much you take, but the more you take, the better the tradesperson you're going to be at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's you're going to enjoy working more. You're going to be more competent, and you're going to have a real passion for this industry if you do the right if you do the right things in your apprenticeship. Yes, so so true. Yeah. And what about yeah. um what about people that are training apprentices? So you've got you've got an apprentice yourself and what have you learned about you know what's important as far as that being the right role model and, and being able to train and, and teach those skill sets? Yeah, I think explaining what you're doing rather than just give them tasks. Like explain to them like exactly what I just said before, like explain what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um you know, like the rules behind it, just give them as much, like all your knowledge inside of you. you. You might be thinking it when you're on the job of why you're going to do something next. Just talk out loud and talk to them. I found that, um, yeah, they really appreciated it. And sometimes they're a bit scared to ask questions. And if you just explain things, you might even be able to just answer something they've been thinking of. And also yeah. just be patient. Be patient it's, with uh, it's, it's, it's Don't think that they're at your level. I just find that there's too many guys on site that would yell at apprentices and it would just hurt their confidence. Yeah. And um, their confidence is such an important thing with a, with anyone learning a skill. Like imagine if I was learning piano and I went to learn piano and every day I went to practice, the teacher would just yell at me and say, yeah. what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying to learn piano. Like, can you help me a bit instead of just okay. yelling at me and then getting me to sweep? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, it is a vulnerability, but like, it's something that's not taught it throughout your apprenticeship, becoming a tradesperson, you're not actually taught how to teach apprentices, which I think, you know, is a, is a real vulnerability because at some stage, whether you go on to be a business owner or just an elite tradesperson, you're, you're going to have an apprentice work with you at some stage. And the ability to teach is, is, is rarely taught. Um, so yeah, getting clear on, on, on that, on that. And if you train your apprentice as well, they'll be able to teach the next wave of apprentices that come through and, and that'll strengthen your team even further. So it's yeah, so it's, a, it's an important, it's an important skill set, really is. 
All right. Um, let's look at, so you've, you've gone through your apprenticeship. Um, what happened after that? Did you jump straight into business or did you, did you have, uh, experience some different things first? Yeah, I um, <laughs> you work so hard to become a qualified electrician that once you get there, you're like, oh, what's next? Like, I didn't really, like, it was so, and because I worked in group training, um, once you finish your apprenticeship, you're on your own. You lose your job, really, because they only employ apprentices. So I worked really hard, you know, finished my exams, got my A grade, and I was like, oh, what what do I, I'm on my own now. Okay. Now like, I got to go this, do it. Yeah. yeah. This was a bit of a shock. And I was kind of like really excited because I was like, oh, I have so many pathways now. Like I'm a qualified electrician, like whatever job I want, I, I can probably get right now, you know, de- depending on if they're hiring. And I didn't really know what I wanted, but deep down I knew that I wanted my own business, but terrified to do that straight away. So I, um, where did I work first? Oh, I worked for um, a labor hire company while I was trying to figure out just to get some casual work and um, decide what I want. Yeah. And um, so I didn't have to commit. I think that was what I didn't want to commit at the start. So I just worked for a labor hire company. Um, that was fine. And then I was approached by one of my friends who was older than me. Um, and he said, do you want to go into business together? at the time and I didn't really know much and he was you know 10 years older than me and he's been an electrician for ages and I was like yeah okay so I put all my trust um in him yep. and I was like let's do this and he wanted to do a solar company but I didn't really work with solar and solar really wasn't on my radar not really something that I was really keen on but he was pretty keen on it Anyway, so we decided to start this business together and, um, yeah, it didn't really go so well because okay. he kept his full-time job as a trade school teacher and mm-hmm. I didn't have a job, so I was putting a lot of time and effort into the business. Um, but because I didn't know solar, I couldn't obviously win jobs. I couldn't go and, work, like, you know, get all this work. So I was just getting small domestic jobs that I was just doing on my own just to get by. And anyway, as time went on, I think it only lasted like six months to eight and six to eight months. And um, yeah, I was like, this is not working. So let's just call it quits. And that was a big lesson learned for me because I always wanted my business. And I, you know, when we started it, I was like, oh, this is great. Like I have this mentor who's coming into business with me this is, you know, I've just been handed a silver platter. But looking back, it was just a silly decision. And um, I really should have put more thought into it and said what I wanted and what my vision was. Um, I really didn't speak up about that. And it had nothing to do with me. And, yeah, so um, that ended. And that was a bit (laughs) disheartening because I was like, oh, I just tried business and it just went downhill very quickly. And yeah it is that a, was it is really like in that space it, it's it's a relatively common reality like i think the small business failure rate in in australia is i think three out of four over five years or something like something ridiculously high like that yeah so it's it yeah. a lot of people start and a lot of people aren't successful at, at the end of the day and um partnerships i think are probably even higher um in order to make a partnership work, there's a lot of structural things that need to be set up from day one. 
And a lot of the times partnerships start with friends. And it's like, we don't need that because we're friends. Like that'll never happen. And then people get down the line. They're like, we really should have had that framework in place uh, because there's always going to be, a, whenever two people are involved, I feel like there's always a mismatch in, it was very hard to, to be fully transparent around the commitment from each party. So I'll always feel like I'm doing these hours and I'll look at what partner's doing and be like, oh, are they doing the same as me? I'm working real hard. I don't think you're working real hard. And then they'll think the same thing. And then there's this like, oh, this tension and just like, there's so many different dynamics at play. Don't get me wrong. I've seen, um, I've seen plenty of them work really well, uh, but I've also seen a lot of them fail. So it's a, it's an interesting one. And it's a, it's a sad experience that, yeah, obviously that was your first explore, exploration into business, but I imagine you learned a hell of a lot around business through the hard stuff that was on, on display there, yeah? Yeah, it seems to be my theme in life, like do the really hard part and learn all the lessons and then do it again. That's then just do it again. Things how I roll. Um, but, yeah, exactly what you said. I've, I learned so much and um, so much from it. And it's, yeah, as much as it felt like a failure at a time at that time, it, it wasn't now because, yeah, because of where I am now and, you know, what I learned from it. Um, but, yeah, after, after that, I <laughs> was like, well, clearly I just need to go work for someone. And I um, jumped on board with – I worked for a really big um, audiovisual company. Oh, I just yeah. thought I'd take, take change, but they were commercial as well. And to be honest, commercial is, um, it's just not for me. It's not the, um, I don't really like the lifestyle of it. Uh, I don't love the culture on a lot of sites. In saying that, I met some amazing guys and I'm friends now as well, you know, to this day. But um, I don't love routine. I don't love starting at the same time. I don't love having my my lunch seeing the same faces day in, day out, just given a plan, told what to do. It's very, very boring for me. I'm not, um, yeah, I, my mental health is not great when I'm in those situations, even though the money was epic, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that just, I, I was like, okay, every week, like look at your bank account. Okay, you're doing well, you're earning good money. And then by the end, I'm like, this is, this means nothing to me. And um yeah, I have a really supportive um, partner, wife, I should say, now. And, yeah, I um, said at the time I wasn't happy and, yeah, she was yeah, above and beyond, just said leave, like, you know, don't you don't have to stay there. Don't, and I don't told, endure it, yeah. Yeah, you know, don't put yourself through it. Um, you don't need to be there. So funny timing, COVID hit. And then um, we all, like, got stood down and I was like, this is like my sign. This is my sign for change because <laughs> I was just like, I'm about to leave and then this hits um, as awful as COVID was. But silver lining for me was I decided to, yeah, sit my REC course and get my electrical contracting licence. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I wasn't sure if I wanted to just work still full-time and do business on the side. Yep. Um but while we were all stood down, I just did it. And then word got out that I started the business through family and friends and, you know, neighbours. 
and my phone did not stop ringing that I took my redundancy at the job and that's where Lani the Sparky was born. Yes, so good. Um, so yeah. if we reflect back on on that time, like COVID, a very uncertain time for a lot of people, yeah. Uh, so you're sitting there, you just launched Lani the Sparky, like what's on your mind? What are the, what are the things that keep you up at night in those first, those first few months? Yeah, well, I was super excited, to be honest, because I um, I wasn't really stressed about finding work. I, it was really a slow, like, I felt like I had this a lot of time to get into business because we're all locked down anyway, and we're all in that time. So at the first, um, the first part, I got, you know, my logo made, and it was really, really exciting for me. And I started to see my vision come alive. And this is like where I always wanted to be. My logo was there, the business name I always wanted, um, you know, doing it on my own. Um, and then, yeah, as the phone started ringing, I was like, this is this is happening. <laughs> like, am I ready for this as well? So I just, yeah, I just had a slow start to it. Um, but as, as soon as the restrictions eased, I um, just went for it and I yeah I ended up picking up yeah and I too much for my own good I went way too fast at the start and I was working silly silly hours and I had a friend helping me and um yeah it was so crazy at the start and I didn't have job management system I didn't know anything about business but I did the one thing I learned from the first time of business was get a bookkeeper so I had her from the start and she has been a lifesaver That's it. so yeah, everything's like yeah been in order yeah. and bookkeeper is such an underrated sort of component to a small business so there's not, not many people start their small business and go first thing I need is a bookkeeper and that's awesome that you pick that up because when I talk about that failure rate in small business fundamentally every single one of those businesses that fail have a financial problem they didn't fail because they made too much money. They failed because somewhere they didn't understand what they needed to charge to make money or where the money was at or how much they owed as far as a tax debt, anything like that. So that they're all the contributing factors that end up creating that failure rate and making it so high. So for you to launch in and go, yeah, right. I need someone to make sure that I'm on the right pathway here with the financial component. So I can focus on doing what I do, which is delivering outstanding service to my customers. Yeah. Exactly right. And I learned in the first time I went through business that that was not my strong suit. Like bookkeeping is not where I thrive at all. So, um, yeah, having her just on board and like helping me with zero, even teaching me how to use zero was just a huge help and um, just pointing me in the right direction. And every step of the way she's been there. So it's been so nice that she's seen me from day one pretty much up until now. Yeah. And the other thing, there's identifying that is like it's a big um big business trait yeah great business operators always hire people to complement their weaknesses you know find someone who's really good at something that you're not good at or don't like doing one of the one of the easiest ways to work out when you hit that overwhelm or overcapacity state is like work out what tasks you don't like doing because if you don't like doing it you're going to avoid it until it's massive or it's a problem that's just how humans work. Like if, I, if I could pick between two things and this thing I really don't like doing and this thing that I don't mind doing, I'm going to do that first. And what do you know? I've run out of time to do the thing that I don't like doing. Oh, 
Miles so, out. Uh, but there's someone in the world that really likes doing that. And so you could get them in to assist you and, and make you a hell of a lot stronger and free your time up. So that's a great, uh, great little tip that you've got there. Like an early hire like that to, to help give you that peace of mind, that confidence to take that off your plate, as yeah. well as compliment something that you don't feel like you enjoy doing either. Yeah. And they don't like what I thought was she was going to cost a lot, but they don't actually cost that much for someone who's just a sole trader because they work by hourly rate. And she only was putting in, you know, what, two hours a week, if that, with me um, at the start. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, I highly recommend doing that when you start business. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, So, looking back from where you are now, what has, um, what have been some of the big things or what? how would you guide people that are say, starting their business? Let's just say I've got someone who's thinking about starting a business, listening to this podcast right now. And they're like, oh yeah, oh, cool. Okay, I'll, I'll look into getting a bookkeeper. What has happened since that moment when you started to where you are now? Uh, what do you think some of the key components of that success that you've experienced? Um, yeah, there's been, yeah, it's been a long like learning journey. Um, but to be honest, one of the biggest points was when I joined Tradies Success Academy because I felt like I was getting so much work. And I'm like, one of my strengths is customer service. I, um, I feel like I really connect with my customers and I know that's strong for me. So winning work for me is I, I will always win work. But it was like being organized in business and just getting to the next step of hiring someone, managing a team. It was just... I was never taught how to do that step. I was like, great, yeah. I've got all this work. I could work 120 hours a week if I wanted, but yeah. I was just burning out. I was just, I was so tired. And I um, really felt like I needed to keep working and make heaps of money. And then I learned, you know, a lot through being with Tradie Success that, uh, yeah, things needed to change. And the amount that I've changed since then, um, uh, yeah, it's just been huge. I've, like one thing in particular was getting just a job management system, something as simple yeah. as that, just being more organised in that sense um, was huge. I was using a paper calendar when I first started. But I was like <laughs> writing notes on paper and just Your losing black book. <laughs> it. Was, it was, I couldn't believe. I just learnt from, you know, an old school guy, like, you know, years ago, and I just copied what they did. Um but yeah, there's so many things to learn in business and even just the way that, like I said, I'm, you know, I've felt like I'm really good at customer service, but I have changed my language um, in just being a bit more like professional or um, knowing how to um, deal with people who like feel uncomfortable, like accepting quotes, even little things like that, reaching out about explaining why we charge this much and actually learning how to um sorry, learning how much to actually charge was a huge thing for me. I was undercharging so much. It's so common. Yeah. Um, I know you, you came through the incubator program with me and um, yeah, there's like every single time I run that session, jaws hit the floor. Uh, and fundamentally that's where a lot of people struggle. They work really hard. Everyone who owns a business, I would say works really hard. Uh, yeah. And the difference between working hard and being successful is getting the actual formulas right and getting the mechanics of your business right because everyone can come to work and work hard and not everyone makes that hard work 
equal success. And I think it's unlocking, you know, what needs to work for you, but to turn hard work into success. Because, um, and then once you, once you realize that, and then, you know, you, you don't have to work so hard. And yeah. You, you start hiring people and, and the, then you're like, actually, I can, I can breathe a bit now. I don't have to do those massive days anymore. And I can still, I can make more money and I can be comfortable and I can work on what's coming next. Yeah, it's absolutely so true. And now, uh, yeah, I'm making more money and doing way less work, even though it's only been two years in business. And, I've, you know, I hired yeah, A grade and a second year apprentice and I send them off as a team. And I just do small jobs by myself. And, I, you know, now I dedicate a whole day to office work for myself and, you know, catch up on everything. And, um, yeah, structured. The business is so much more structured now than it was. And it's just I feel so much more organised and I have so much more time on the weekends and really, you know, enjoy, enjoy my life a lot more. And especially I have a baby coming, you know. Yeah, that's, that's um, it. Without structure, yeah. without that structure, it's 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 very unpredictable and very chaotic. Like you could be super busy or you could be super quiet, but with the structure, it gives you that confidence and, and the predictability and the routine that comes with it. You're never going to fully erase those peaks and troughs, but like I know you mentioned job management system and everyone you speak to with a job management system will tell the same story. It's like, how did I do business before this? How? Yeah. No one's ever got a job management system and then going, actually, nah, I won't need this anymore. Like it's like it's like this turning point in their life. So if you're sitting there right now and you're like, yeah, I got one of those black books sitting in my center console. Yeah, yeah. I think it's time to look at what what uh, what the software could do and really help you. Oh yeah, it's so epic. Everything is just it right in front of you, organized, you know, right there. And it's just, yeah. It makes me feel a lot calmer. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Um, looking forward. Looking forward to the to the future. What What are you most excited about coming up? Obviously, there's a change in your family coming in, new addition, and things like that. But also changing team. And you know what? If you look um, a little bit beyond the immediate future, what What's the most exciting thing for you right now? What are you What are you most excited about? Yeah, the most exciting thing, other than yes, having my first child, of course. Um, yeah, after that is once I get back into business, I feel like I have so many platforms now set where when I hire more staff, because my um, my you know my aim is to hire more staff next year. Once I get back in, I have Van sitting there, you know, ready to go for next year. Um, is I'm really excited for them to come on board and come to a really structured. Um, business and to you know once they are hired they'll know exactly where their place is i'll be able to give them exact direction of where i want you know what i want from them where to go i just feel a lot more comfortable about growing my business once again and um i'm not scared at all at at doing it because i know i can do it that's so like that's such a powerful statement yeah um i'm not scared that's like that's so inspiring because like business has a whole heap of unknowns and a stack of fear yeah, it doesn't matter where you're at in business, but to be able to stand there and say, yeah, I'm actually not afraid of doing that because I know I've got the right stuff. I know I've got the right structure and I know what I bring in will be able to produce the right results for me. So such a powerful statement. That's um, yeah. You really nailed, nailed that one. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And um, of course, hiring more women to come into the trade because I know there's so many women going through their apprenticeship at the moment or looking and yeah, I can't wait to get, a few of them on board and, you know, awesome. obviously a few A grades as well. So. Yeah. I was going to ask um, what changes or, or shifts in, in the, the status quo or the psyche 
do you feel are required to encourage that pathway for more women to firstly take up trades, but then also like to get to where you are, like really take up business because it's one thing to get women into the trade space. And it's another thing to get them to really see the potential in, in starting a business and, and taking uh, taking that on for themselves and, and realizing the success and freedom that can come with owning your own business. Yeah, um, it's massive. Yeah, I feel like um, just really believing in yourself and like backing yourself as well and reaching out to get some um, like even mentors. There's so many programs now for women, like mentoring programs throughout apprenticeships. Even, you know, I have apprentices reach out to me just to ask questions and I'm more than happy to um, guide them through their own journey and just seeking different platforms to help you grow as a person throughout your apprenticeship and while you're in a grade but yeah get into business it's so much better (laughs) it's um (laughs) especially if you're not liking the culture on site because you create your own culture and that's the best part about this yeah, that's it. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Control a lot of the variables or nearly all the variables are, in, are within your control. Um, so yeah, yeah that's an exciting space. And uh, yeah, I think there's a, there is a bit of a shift. I think that, that there are more, more women coming into the trades and spaces like that. And like for many years now, women in business has really started to, to get uh, great traction. And there's a, a lot of very successful women in, in the business space, but not necessarily trades, to business um so i'd love to see that that link really strengthened as well and those pathways really open up and i think um a lot of it stems at that at that introductory level um a lot of who you become as an adult is crafted in those early years at school so yeah that grassroots really education and, and open those pathways and those doors for people is really important um but then also the the shift within industries yeah, as, as an industry, we have to be more accommodating and, and more accepting of, of this, is, uh, this is great for our industry. And the, the, more, the more desire that there is to get more women into the trades, it's going to make those pathways a hell of a lot easier. So I think it's on everyone to really embrace that and, um, and take up that because it's a better space for everyone you know, when we get there. Yeah, the more, Definitely. The more yeah. and further down the path we go. Brilliant. All righty. Well, thank you so much for your time. Lani. It's great to hear your story from way back at the start. And you, you really, you're really inspiration because, you know, there, there was adversity along the way in many different spaces and lots of excuses and reasons to quit and turn away and, and, and go back to, you know, the comfort zone and things like that. But you really embraced all of those challenges and you moved through that. And it's a testament to you and, your, and the character and the person that you are, that you you rise to that challenge and you always overcome it. And there's some exciting stuff on the, on the horizon for you. And I'm super pumped to see you navigate that and, and really kick goals with your business. And um, yeah, thanks so much for your time and, and sharing your story with our listeners today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So if you're loving the podcast, please share with your friends, anyone that's thinking about starting a tradie business or got a large tradie business. We help everyone from startup all the way up to million dollar plus months. We'd love to help you too. And lastly, it would mean a lot if you could leave a review on the player that you're listening to this on. It helps us get it out there and help more tradies in business perform better and create better lives for themselves. So let's get into this episode. Hope you enjoy it. Talk to you soon.